Luke chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I want to talk about Mary's gift-wrapped present to the world. Merry Christmas to you. But Mary literally knew something about Christmas. The Bible lets us know that divinity was housed in a man when Jesus Christ came to this world. Uh, the God of Genesis and the God of creation became the God in Bethlehem's manger. We know that God entered into this world through the womb of a young virgin Jewish girl and divinity became housed in a man. When Jesus Christ was born, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger. Now basically this wrapping was a narrow bands of cloth formerly wrapped around the newborn child in order to restrain it, if you will, restrain its movements and also to keep that baby quiet. Notice, if you will, it was wrapped in cloth. It was not wrapped in wrapping paper as we would use today. If the baby had been wrapped in wrapping paper, uh, Luke may have said this, uh, and lo, the baby was wrapped with several feet of paper, and the paper was covered with and without with pictures of Frosty, a man of snow. And Joseph purposed in his heart to cast the paper into the barrel of trash. But Mary said to him, Cease, man. I dropped the decorative parchment. It should be set aside for future generations. And Joseph disrolled his eyelids. Uh, and uh, it came to pass that the baby uh, was more interested in the paper uh, than the animals around about him, end quote. Well, but these words are not in the Bible, which means the very first Christmas gift was not wrapped with presents and gift wrappings as we have today. Notice, secondly, if you will, uh, that it was not Joseph, uh, but it was Mary who wrapped the baby in swaddling clothes. I think there's a reason for that. Most of us as men, we do not know how to wrap gifts very well. Uh, I think that uh, uh, we find here, had it been wrapped in gift paper, we'd have understood that. But men don't understand, for the most part, uh, why we even wrap gifts. I mean, you wrap them up and, and spend the time, spend the effort, spend the money, make them look good. And within three seconds, it's all ripped apart. Uh, and uh, that's just the way I, as a man, think. I don't know about you. And yet I believe there's some scientific studies behind that uh, based upon two guys that I read about. Uh, one guy said that he never wrapped a gift, and if he does, it's because the gift is so poor of quality and so stinky uh, that he won't be around anybody who opens it. And the other guy said, I don't wrap them, but if I do, uh, just for the principle, he said, I give 15 seconds per package, and that's all I'm going to give. Well, and then there's me. I can't wrap. I don't know how to wrap a present if I tried. I can take a gift the size of a deck of cards and put it on the piece of paper uh, as big as a, as a regulation basketball court and wrap it, and I'm still going to have something peeking out the other end of it. And then if there's something peeking out the other end, I'm going to take another piece of paper and split it and put it over it again and tape it again and again. Then it's going to have a chainsaw to get the scotch tape off the thing that they can get into the gift to begin with. Or if that doesn't work, I will sometimes put more tape over it or I will also put a bow on it. And that bow hides a multitude of sins, brothers. Let me tell you right now. 
And yet there are some people they love, my wife, God love her heart, you can give her 12 inches, square inches of paper and she can wrap a dump truck with it. I can't do that. <laughs> and there are some people they just love to wrap and they're good at it. If there's some, I've seen some people, if batteries are included, they'll wrap up the batteries as well. And that's on the verge of mental illness as far as I'm concerned. I personally believe men, for the most part, there's exceptions, but men, for the most part, we can't wrap. And therefore, we would rather leave the wrapping like babies being birthed to the women because they know how to do it, and they know how to do it well. My point is, gift wrapping is for those who have skills, and I don't have the gift wrapping skills. But men, let me give you a couple gift wrapping tips, if I may. First of all, whenever possible, buy gifts are already wrapped. That's the best thing to do. And guys, if you're going to buy something to wear, buy at least one or two sizes too small because that will be flattering. You're going to take it back anyway. And then thirdly, a thing I have learned through the years, get one of those decorative bags and put the gifts in it and get the decorative paper, the blue and the pink and the gray and the greens and the whites and the yellow and put it in there and fluff it up and put a bow in it and that at least looks like it's decorative when they open it up. And women tend to like that, but don't be like the guy I read about. He put his gift for his wife in a trash bag and put a bow on it. And he put it under the tree and she says, honey, what is this hefty trash bag? He said, it's your Christmas gift. It's got a bow on it. And she opened it up and it was a leaf blower. <laughs> and she said, what's this leaf blower? He said, it is gas driven and five horsepower. To which she said, thank you. And then he got all serious and all smugged and all warm and fuzzy. And he said, honey, he said, my gift to you from God is me for this Christmas. To which she said, God does not give gag gifts. <laughs> so the moral of the story, as far as I'm concerned, if you've opened your gifts last night or this morning, you have to give them when you get home today. It's not the gift that matters. What really matters, did you keep the blooming receipt? <laughs> That's what matters. Well, we as men may not understand much about wrapping but what we've learned about giving, we've learned from God. God is the giver of all good and perfect gifts. And God does not withhold anything good to those that walk uprightly before him. And God is a God that knows how to give. He is in the giving business. It was God who gave Adam and Eve the skins of an animal to cover their nakedness because the fig leaves they put on would not work. It was God who gave the blood of that first animal that was sacrificed to be a covering for their sins and to cover their shame that was there during that time. It was God who gave Noah the blueprint of how to build an ark for the saving of his entire household. It was God who gave Abraham, if you will, promises uh, that were greater than the moon itself, promises that were more than the sea, uh, the sand of the sea, or the dust of the ground, or the stars that were in the sky themselves. It was God who gave Sarah a miracle baby that she named Isaac. And it was Isaac uh, that God gave to him a, th a ram in the thicket uh, where he was about to be stabbed to death by his dad. But God said, God will provide, and God provided a ram in the thicket and it was God who gave Joseph a 12 sons that might be the leadership of the nation of Israel of the 12 tribes of Israel themselves it was Joseph if you will that God gave a position uh, to be the second in ruler of all of Egypt itself uh, because God knew a famine was coming and God had a man there that would be able to help them during that particular time I remind you brothers and sisters 
Hebrews, it was God himself today uh, who gave to Moses uh, the power to work miracles before Pharaoh. Uh, it was God who gave the Israelites a cloud by day and a pillar by fire that they might walk into the promised land. It was God who gave the Israelites a land that was flowing with milk and honey itself. It was God who gave them kings uh, to preside over the leadership. It was God who gave them prophets uh, that might lead them in the future and tell them about a coming Messiah. <clears throat> and to show them uh, the promises that God had for them. It was God who gave them the scriptures uh, that told them about the Messiah uh, that was to come. It was God who gave the shepherds uh, pronounced by angels uh, that go and see uh, the Lamb of God that will be born. It was God who gave a star uh, to the wise men that led them directly uh, to where the young child was. It was God who gave Mary a miraculous conception and it was God who gave Joseph the reassurance that he needed to understand the circumstances of his virgin fiance uh, who was carrying the child to promise himself and it was God himself my friend who gave us Jesus Christ the prince of peace it was God who gave us his son who died upon the cross to carry your sin and my sin and all of our shame and all of our sin and our debauchery and it was Jesus Christ himself who died upon the cross that we might be born again for the glory of God and I remind you, God still offers to give every man and every woman that will come to him in repentance. He gives us eternal life. He gives us eternal life through the blood that was shed. Our God is a God who knows how to give. We may not know how to wrap a gift, man, but we know where our gift, the gifts come from. God is a giver of all good and all perfect gifts this morning. Surely God's a good giver. And mankind, I can learn a lot about the giving of the Lord. For God so loved the world that he begrudgingly, no. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but everlasting life. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above, James said. Uh, Jesus told the woman of the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that said to you, give me the drink, you would ask of him, you would give me this living water. Paul said, he that spared not his own son, shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He told Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in you and stir up the gift of God which is in you. To the Ephesians, Paul said, for by the grace of God, you're saved through faith and not none of yourself. It is what the gift of God. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be unto God for what his unspeakable gift. We serve a God that knows how to give and thank God he gave to us when we were sinners. He gave to us when we were rebellion. He gave to us when we spit in his face, but he's a God who gives. And I rejoice in that this morning. <clears throat> it's obvious that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that God has ever given to the world. And what will we do with Jesus Christ himself? Let's unwrap this gift a little bit this morning and see exactly what it is that God has given us. First of all, God wrapped up his gift in Old Testament mystery. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And with that being said, Jesus can be found in every book of the Bible. 
Even in the Old Testament, we see Jesus leaping off every page of the Bible. He's found everywhere you begin to unwrap the types, the shadows, the symbols, and the pictures of the Old Testament. You can find Jesus in the sacrifice of the animals. You can find Jesus in the metals uh, that it took to build the tabernacle. You can find Jesus in the colors uh, of, the, uh, of the high priest uh, garments, if you will. And you can find him anywhere else, a thousand places, if you and I would take the time to read the Word of God with an open heart and let the Holy Spirit speak to us, uh, pointing to Jesus Christ uh, throughout the entire of the Bible. He's the seed spoken of uh, in Genesis 3.15. He is the heel uh, shall bruise the head of the serpent. Uh, he's the, sh- the Shiloh mentioned in, in Genesis 49.10 who would come and gather the people to him. He is also the Skepra uh, spoken of in Numbers 24.17 to rise out of Jacob and to spite the corners of Moab itself. Uh, he's the prophet of Deuteronomy uh, uh, 18 uh, and 15 to be raised up in the midst of the brethren to be hearkened unto. Uh, he's the conceived by the virgin according to Isaiah 7.14. He's the Emmanuel of Isaiah 9.6 and be called wonderful, a counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He is also the Messiah that should be come forth and be cut off according uh, to Daniel uh, 9.26. He's the ruler in Israel to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, according to Micah, a prophet in chapter 5 and verse number 2. And he can be found everywhere you look in the Old Testament if you would take the time to read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice to be holy you'll find Jesus on every page of the Old Testament if you'll read it for the glory of God. Notice secondly, he wrapped up on God's gift in the stable. Mary wrapped up God's gift in the stable. She wrapped him in what? Swaddling clothes. These are precious words. These are words that I think can only be understood by a mother who understood what it was that Mary herself was feeling. But there's more wrapped up in the swaddling clothes than the little baby. First of all, wrapped up in the little baby is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. Every teaching, every truth, every type concealed in the Old Testament is being held in the arms of Mary that that day. To understand the story of Moses when he was smite the rock, uh, the brass serpent that was lifted up, Uh, to understand the manna in the wilderness, to understand Jonah in the well, uh, to understand, if you will, uh, the Proverbs of Solomon uh, and the the Psalms of David. We must understand for ourselves uh, what happens to this little baby uh, that Mary was holding in her arms that day. Second, wrapped up in the little baby is the fullness of the Almighty God. The God who created heaven and earth. Uh, The God this morning that divided the Red Sea. Uh, The God that was found in uh, the burning bush. Uh, The God that was with Daniel in the lion's den. The God that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, within the fiery furnace is sleeping in the arms of Mary uh, wrapped in those swaddling clothes of that day. Let me tell you, it was more than just a baby. It was more than just Mary's little baby. It was God himself manifest uh, in the flesh of that particular hour uh, that was wrapped in the swaddling clothes. John explains it this way. The Word. Who is the Word? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Paul declares in Him, in Him, in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus said of Himself, I and the Father are what? We are one. 
Third, wrapped in this little baby is the future of all who would believe. The destiny of all of humanity is wrapped up in swaddling clothes, lying cradled in the arm of Mary himself. And the attitude that I have and the attitude that you have and also the relationship that you and I have with this little baby will determine our eternal destiny. For you see, Jesus Christ has come to be the Savior to all who would accept, but he's come to be the judge to all who reject him. He has come to give life and life abundantly to all who embrace him, but he's come, uh, the, the death will come to those uh, who have not accepted him. Uh, he is not more than a little baby in her arms. He will soon confound the doctors uh, in the temple of that day. He will silence the critics of that particular hour. Uh, he will stump the religious leaders. He will rebuke the arrogant and the elitist, but he will give grace to the humble and to the lowly of that hour. He will surrender his to the will of God the Father. Uh, he will die upon a rugged cross uh, to pay for the sins of all humanity. He will suffer, he will bleed, uh, bleed and he will die. He will be buried in a brand new borrowed tomb. But three days later, he will come out of that grave victorious over death and the grave and said, I am, he was alive and died and behold, I am alive forevermore. He would be seen alive uh, over uh, 500 at one time for the next 40 days, uh, made alive by many infallible proofs. And then the Bible said that he had ascended back to the right hand of God the Father. And there he lives to be our intercessor, our mediator, our, 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 our great high priest and our advocate. And thank God one day he's going to step on the clouds one more time. And he's not coming back as a baby in Bethlehem's manger. He's coming back as the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He's not coming back as a lamb to be slain. But he's coming back as a lion of the tribe of Judah that hath prevailed over everything that gets in the way of mankind. I am grateful uh, that Christmas season and more than just a baby. We got to look beyond the baby of Bethlehem and to see the king of all kings uh, that ever lives to make intercession uh, for the saints of God. Thirdly, Satan wraps up God's gifts in ignorance. Think about this. Man will never know what's wrapped up in the gift if Satan has his way. How many years did Satan have his way in your life? How many years did Satan have his way in my life? And maybe someone at the sound of my voice in this room or by way of internet, maybe your eyes have still been blinded. Maybe your heart has still been darkened that you cannot see the truth of who this Jesus Christ really is today. First of all, Satan has blinded the minds of men to the true value of the gift the Apostle Paul said, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. To the natural eye, man sees the baby, just a baby. Just another baby. Just another nuisance and crying. Just another mouth to feed. Just another diaper to change. Just another kid to educate what will become of it. But I remind you that Jesus Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. And Jesus was not God's accidental thought for you or me. It was not God's alternative thought for you or me. And it certainly was not God's accidental thought for you and me either or alternative thought. God had in mind that if man sinned, he would have somebody standing ready 
to take the place, to pay the righteous demands to a holy God. The Apostle Paul went on to tell us in the Word of God uh, that once again, the natural man received not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual eye can see through the devil's wrappings. How many of us had our eyes so blinded to Jesus Christ? But to the spiritual eye, we can see through the wrappings of the enemy of our soul because it takes the spiritual things to understand of the things of the Spirit. But if your heart is open, how many times have you ever tried to read the Bible before you became a Christian and it made no sense to you? You tried to pray and your prayers didn't get very high. What happened when your eyes were open to see the truth and the integrity of God's Word? When your heart was open to embrace the Holy Spirit of God, He came into us and the same spirit that moved upon holy men to give the word of God is the same spirit that helped us understand that word to be able to apply it to our lives. One of the reasons I believe that people hate God's word is because God's word will illuminate their minds and open their heart to see the truth of who Jesus Christ really is. That's why a lot of churches don't have the word of God no more. We want to sing and do concerts and put on plays and have drama. There's places for that, but there's nothing, my friend, absolutely nothing that can take the place of the word of the Almighty God. Now, you may disagree with me, and you can be wrong if you want to. This is my opinion. I believe the way we decorate our auditoriums tells something by way of symbolism. When I come to a church and I see the pulpit over here, they're telling me that the presence of God is not that important to them. If I see a pulpit way over here somewhere, they're telling me the Word of God is not important to them. What I'm saying, when you walk in here and you see the center of this stage is the communion table and the Word of God, we're saying to you symbolically, God's presence and God's Word is paramount to everything that we do. I've had people tell me in the Assembly of God churches, why don't you just take the communion table and put it in the back? It gives us more room. Why? Well, we just use it once a month and sometimes once every six months. No, it's telling, it's preaching, it's teaching. The enemy does not want you in God's word. He would rather you read books about the Bible than to read the Bible. He would rather you listen to some watered down sermon than get in the book for yourself. Friend, let me tell you, this book will set you free and this book will open your eyes. It'll unwrap the gift that God has for you in Jesus Christ and unwrap the gifts that God has for us in totality. The spiritual eye can see through the devil's wrappings that Christ is more than a great teacher, more than a great reformer. He is the very son of God himself. Secondly, Satan has bound men in traditions and religious customs. People think as long as they're religious, they're okay. Religious people have always been a nuisance to God. God often has more trouble with religious people than he does the unsaved world. It was the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, that was a pain in his side when he was upon the earth. He could get along with the, with, the, with the harlot and with the drunkard, with the leopard, and with all the outcasts of society. But it was a religious leaders, friend. And today there are many, many people that have created God in their own image. And we go through our own form and through our own ritual. And we do in our religious things what we think will please the God that we've made in our image. But if we know the God of the Bible... It'll break the bondage. It'll break the formality. It'll break all the deadness and bring us into a life of the fullness of the spirit of the living God. Not trying to be ugly this morning and I'm not knowing anybody's Holy Spirit as my dear friend tells me. But my wife and I turned the TV on early this morning. We watched a religious service 
And I'm honest to God, I'd rather watch paint dry than to have gone through that hee-haw, humdrum, ritualistic nothing. And the thing that troubles me is many churches, if the Holy Spirit would withdraw his presence from many churches today, many churches would go on business as usual simply because we don't allow the Holy Spirit to be in our midst to begin with. And I've been to some churches that a preacher would, would open up the text and if the, if the text he read had the measles, the sermon never would catch them because they never were close together. Does that make sense? It's all about the word, church. It's all about Jesus Christ. Thirdly, Satan has built up barriers to Christ by sin and confusion. Today, Christians, professing Christians, are doing more, I believe, that breaks the heart of God than what some sinners used to do before they became Christians. In other words, the world seems to be getting churchy, and the church seems to be getting worldly. Many of our forefathers would roll over in their graves if they knew some of the things that was being accepted, not just in Christian churches, but in Pentecostal churches. I'm not advocating, advocating clothesline sermons. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not advocating works. I'm advocating a love to God. So many Christians are watching R-rated movies and reading books about adultery and idolatry and fornication. And you know what we're excusing ourselves saying? But it reflects the culture in which we're in and we're just part of the culture. No, we're not. We're not supposed to be part of the culture. We're not supposed to be part of the problem. We're supposed to make an indentation in this culture uh, to know that we can turn the world right side up again. Have you ever in your life seen as much compromise as you're seeing today? I read just this past week of a particular well-known Christian artist. We grew up, many of us, listening to her music. And now she has embraced the LGBT community. Now, Pastor, you've been homophobic. No, I'm not. I'm just saying what she did. Wearing the rainbow around her neck. Now, all that matters now, it doesn't matter what you behave or what you believe, as long as we love as long as we love. That brings the point, what is love? To me, love will tell the truth. And love will expose the error. But all we think we're to do today is be the politically correct. And that's where I believe that the devil has blinded the eyes of so many people. And the devil has got in our politics, it's got in our entertainment, he's got in our government, and he's got behind the pulpits of many denominations in the United States of America. And many people are going down a slippery slope of saying we can embrace all these lifestyles in the name of love. But friend, if you read this book, love says get out of sin. No matter what it's called, sin is sin. And Jesus came not to save us in it. He came to deliver us from it. Praise God. It's not about being homophobic. It's about saying sin is sin and God will judge sin. And the baby Jesus Christ came to die on the cross to forgive all sin. Praise God. And the apostle Paul said, know ye not that the effeminate, the abuser of themselves and mankind, the drunkard, etc., etc., shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But some were some of you, but you've been washed, you've been sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord. It's not about being politically correct. 
There needs to be a voice in America today that'll cause sin, sin, but to know Jesus Christ loves the sinner, praise God. He hates sin in my life. He hates sin in your life. He hates sin in everybody's life. And all the thing we want to do is polish the spider and walk through the spider web saying we're okay because we love each other. Hogwash. Satan has blinded the eyes of sin by sin and confusion to tell us that we're okay when in reality, church, we're not okay. We're not okay because sin is a barrier each day. Satan is wrapping up God's gift to keep poor sinners away from knowing God's love and from truly experiencing God's love. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay and it will cost you more than you were willing to give. And sin and confusion, evil habits and social sins tighten the grip and the obstacles that would hinder people from knowing the Lord. I got to hurry. The Holy Spirit unwraps God's gift for everybody to believe. Jesus promised, and we went back to the Father. He said, I'm going to go away. It's expedient I go away. When I go away, I'll send another comforter. He's with you, but he shall be in you. And I will teach you all things. Understand, if you will, the Holy Spirit had come to unwrap the gift. Help us understand. God unwrapped, if you will, for the shepherds so they could see the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. He was unwrapped for the wise men to meet the Lord Jesus Christ with gifts of myrrh and gold and frankincense. He unwrapped, if you will, uh, for Anna and Simeon so they could see that he indeed was the Lord God and they saw him with their own eyes. He was unwrapped so John the Baptist could see the descending of the Holy Spirit upon him and hear the voice of the Father say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is Jesus. He will take away the sins of the world. He was unwrapped so the disciples could see who he was, the son of God, by the miracle working power that was on display through him. He was also unwrapped so Mary Magdalene to the tomb after taking, uh, talking to the stranger suddenly said, Rabbana, my Lord, he also was unwrapped so doubting Thomas could see him and thrust his hands into his side and see the nail ribbon side that he had in the hands and say, my Lord and my God. The same Holy Spirit will unwrap him for you. It will unwrap him for you. It will unwrap him for you. If you want to know who this baby of Bethlehem really is, the Holy Spirit's here this morning and he'll unwrap Jesus so that you'll see him more than a baby in Bethlehem's manger. You'll see him more than just a ticket out of hell into heaven. You'll see him more than just a religion that you use. You can see him for your own personal Lord and Savior who will give you life and life abundantly. He'll give you peace the world cannot give or take away. He'll give you a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. That same Holy Spirit will unwrap himself to any sincere heart and show you plainly God's gift for you. Don't let another Christmas bypass you without knowing the greatest gift that was ever wrapped. And thank God when we received the gift of eternal life, God is a God that still keeps on giving. God keeps on giving, keeps on giving, keeps on giving. 
The Bible lets me know he will give us life more abundantly. We unwrap all the gifts that God gives us. When you're testifying, as Joey did, about the gift of God, you're unwrapping the gift for the world to see. The God that I serve heals. When we, when, we, when, we, when we serve in the church as a teacher, a singer, a greeter, a whatever, we're telling the world, this is what God can do for you because he's done it for me. Amen. When we volunteer to minister somewhere in the world, we are telling the world, this is what God has done for me. Yes. What we are or what we have is God's gift to us. And what we do with Jesus is our gift back to him. During the Second World War, I read about the Allied troops were advancing through France. And while they were advancing through France in lightning speed, it was foggy one particular night. And they got somewhere in Germany and German soldiers and the Allies were very close. Only thing separating them was a green field with a farmhouse on it. And when the fog lifted, they didn't realize how close they were to each other. But once the fog lifted, the shots began to fire the mortars begin to go off and carnage and death begin to lie everywhere. But then all of a sudden there was a hush when the fog lifted because the farmhouse was on fire. And all the soldiers on both sides looked out and they saw a baby crawling through that green field. And all oh, it comes to halt. And finally one of the soldiers got up and ran out and picked up that baby and carried it in his arms and came back to the, behind their own line. And on both sides, you could hear cheering. Yay, clapping, both sides. For just a brief moment, that baby brought peace to the war. And as soon as that baby was safe, the bullets began to fire again. If one baby could bring a little peace to a war for a few seconds, what can the Prince of Peace do this morning? There has been a war raging since Satan himself rebelled against God in eternity past. And yet that same Jesus Christ today, the baby born in Bethlehem of Judea, he'll give eternal peace to everyone that puts their hope, their faith, and their trust in him. Friend, unwrap God's gift and accept him for your own personal Savior right now. He was wrapped in flesh he became one of us without partaking of our sins. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was wrapped eventually in a purple robe. And he who knew no sin took your sins and mine and bore them upon his body. And he died on the cross, crucified, satisfying the holy demands of God. But then they buried him in grave clothes, wrapped him in grave clothes. But he came out of those grave clothes wrapped now in a glorified body, seated at the right hand of God the Father, praying this morning that for anyone in this room that has never met him in Lord and Savior can say, I've got the greatest Christmas gift in all the world. I've seen, I've beheld, and I've accepted Jesus Christ the Lord. Brothers and sisters, do you know Jesus? If not, you can know him today. Would you?